brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain it, what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Random Joy Radio. This is the car cast after USC's 41 41- 28 win over the Stanford Cardinal up on the farm. The Trojans are now 2-0 in the Lincoln-Riley era. USC got a dominant first-half effort from the offense. Caleb Williams threw for 341 yards. Uh, Jordan Addison had 172 receiving yards. It was a big day for USC's offense. Defense, not so much, but we're going to talk about that and more here on this CarCast. As always, you can follow us on Reign of Troy Radio uh, over on Spotify, wherever you can find a podcast like Apple Podcasts. Uh, we are there. Our email address is reignoftroy at fanseta.com. I'm your host, Michael Castillo, joined along with my co-host, Elisa Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, it is a, another win for USC in the Lincoln-Riley era, and we are back live here on, on uh, YouTube uh, for everyone joining us bunch of people in the chat a good thing to uh to see um how you feeling after usc's uh big win first one in the pack 12 first pack 12 win in the lincoln riley era your thoughts that was weirdly exactly what i expected it to be okay and that's a weird feeling because i'm often <laughs> surprised watching college football i mean how could you not be watching today this day of college football it actually went exactly how i would have told you it would have played out um, maybe a little bit more nervy at the end than, than I would have liked, but it still was a, a game of huge, huge, massive highs and, um, you know, some reality checks, which if you asked me what can USC get out of a game against a, a Stanford team that we that we talked about before the game as being a bad team, a reality check that was that comfortable in the end. Yeah. It might've been the best case scenario, to be honest. I think this game plays into what USC needs more than if it had gone a different way. So we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah. This was in, in a lot of ways, it was the best offensive performance of the first half that you could think of uh, dominating on, on the ground and through the air. Uh, all the big plays you could want were there. The long run by Travis Dye, the long pass to Jordan Addison, the beautiful screen, uh, two screen touchdowns, uh, one to Mario Williams and then one uh, to Jordan Addison as well. And that's exactly what you wanted to see out of this offense. 
the defense, um, not there yet, but it's early. And we, t- we talked about it before. Uh, this defense was going to be a work in progress. The difference being um, when you know the defense is going to be a work in progress, you need the offense to come through. That's what happened in the first half. Uh, Stanford turned the ball over three times uh, in that first half, and SC got 21 points off those three turnovers. And that was the game right there because we we had talked about it in our preview that Stanford tends to play up to SC in these kind of moments. David Shaw does this thing. You know, I had mentioned it that he tends to, when he's an underdog, he tends to play SC in Oregon weirdly very well. And you almost never know what to expect from Stanford in week two, that it's way different than what you get for the rest of the season or whatnot. And in a lot of ways that did come true when you look at Stanford's offense and how they slice SC's defense like butter. And SC's defense was not good um, for most of it. However, if you're going to give up that many yards like they did, 441 yards, 220 on the ground, 221 through the air, and Stanford was super balanced like that, you better force turnovers. You better force them to get off the field at the end of their, I mean, before they end their drives with points. SC did that, and SC's offense paid off all of that frustration by scoring a hell of a lot of points of their own, 35 in the first half on on the first five drives, right? So, like, this is sort of what you would expect in year year one, right? The defense kind of sputtering because the look at how bad the defense was last year um, and the offense, knowing all the pieces that SC has, uh, kind of putting it all together. Yeah, and, and that's where we have to find that balance, right? Yeah. Between this offense that can clearly put up a whole lot of points and a defense that is going to be vulnerable throughout the season But one of the things that I I really liked about this defensive performance compared to the Rice performance, I thought that the the turnovers against Rice were opportunistic. Rice's receivers were dropping passes and USC's defenders were getting under the ball. Yeah. In this one, I really felt like USC was forcing the turnovers. The um, two interceptions are from tips by USC players. The fumble is uh, the, both of the fumbles are forced fumbles. Those weren't given to USC. They were takeaways, not giveaways. So to me, that shows that this defense is coming in with a mindset of making those plays, of of not just being opportunistic, but creating their opportunities. And I think that's a positive. At the same time, what can you say when you give up the yards that USC gave up? And what can you say when you turn a very comfortable lead into one that requires you to keep your starters in late in the fourth quarter. Um, I think that's definitely something that is going to be a feature of this season. And, and, you know, you and I spent a lot of time arguing with Stanford over with USC fans over Stanford this week while acknowledging that Stanford is not good, opening up the idea that of course Stanford could upset USC. And today I think, Played out exactly like that. Look at every game in college football this week. I didn't think right? I didn't think Texas had a chance in hell against Alabama. They lost by one. I didn't think Marshall would have a chance against Notre Dame. They beat them. Yeah. I didn't think like App State. App State. I didn't think they'd have it. Well, I did think App State is App State. So I I do I do just send. There's a that. there's a certain um, a, upset that I don't even think I don't, I don't even know yeah. if you'd call it an upset that has been bantied about in the chat already. Um, one in Lincoln, Nebraska. 
Yes. Uh, Clay Hilton. Clay Hilton's Georgia Southern, who I was very happy to see him beat up on an FCS team in week one. His Georgia Southern went off against an FCS team. Good for him. Goes out to a bad Nebraska team and makes them look bad and gets that win. I, I love that for him. But that's the point. Any week, any team, Washington State beats Wisconsin. Who could have guessed that? Yeah. Washington State beating Wisconsin. I mean, all of these things are possible. Even bad teams can do these. And when you're a team like USC that, I'm sorry, guys, I love this team. Oh, you guys should have seen me. Michael can attest. I love this team. Like Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison and Mario Williams and Travis the Goat die. My guy die. Um, Austin Jones, all those guys. I love it. There was a point in the second half when things were going so poorly for the offense and that poor offensive performance is something we're going to have to discuss in depth, um, whether or not now or on Monday. But where where Caleb just threw a guy to the ground and then Die just threw a guy to the ground and Austin Jones just showed that toughness. Like that edge that they have is um, – I love that edge that they bring to the game, to the, to, to the team. This offense is so much fun to watch. And the defense – very, very, very flawed, extremely flawed, but I love how hard they play. I really do. Like, I think they play hard. You can't accuse them of not playing hard. Um, but the fact remains, this is a very flawed team. Yeah. A very fun, great team, rootable team, but flawed. And I think this game encapsulates that 100%. Everything you could have thought of going into the season about guys, the offense is going to be good, but there will be some growing pains. Well, guess what? The growing pains showed up in the third quarter, and guess what? It impacted the way the game went. Like, this could have could have been a 60-28 to 28 game. We're having a slightly different conversation. Yeah, or, or the inverse. And I think that's the point for me, is that this is absolutely a game that we've seen happen before. Um, if you take away the scores, you just see all the little things happen um, you take away the, the last play of each drive, right? We've seen all this happen before, um, but it ends the other way in which Stanford finishes off their drive, uh, their drives. SC's the one that doesn't finish off their drives. Uh, there's you don't capitalize on pen, on turnovers, or if you force them, you don't score, or you don't even force them at all. We've seen all those things. That's what this SC team did for the last, you know, thirteen years. And what came of it? These games in which SC could have had a comfortable win if they just took care of their own business oftentimes weren't wins or they were games that they had to pull out at the end and you didn't feel good about it. And yet this is a game in which all those sort of things happen where they give up 319 yards of total offense in, in the first half. You shouldn't feel good about that. But yet when you get 366 of your own, and, and you finish drives with touchdowns. And you you finish drives when the other team doesn't. Mm -hmm. You put yourself in a position to make everything sort of go your way. And then there was one point where SC was up three scores in this game, three touchdowns. And you look at it and you go, are they playing decidedly better than Stanford? I mean, yes, because I think USC's offense was more impressive than Stanford's offense. But in terms of what the stat book was showing, maybe not necessarily. I mean... Surely by uh, things like average of uh, yards per play, surely SC was dominating that. But but that's the, I think those are the little things where you're going to see the, the big gains this year um, from SC. And that 
all comes down to coaching because those little pivotal plays were not going SC's way, certainly not last year or the year before or any of that. Uh, this same game played under Coach Helton is a loss, right? Yes. It just oh, is. 100%. Absolutely. One, one million percent. Because this same game played with the previous coaching staff, they they might get the same number of just like turnovers or whatever, but they they They're certainly not scoring they all certainly don't score all of those first half drives. They no. just never do that. They never did no. that. They'd shoot themselves in the foot here or there, and uh, consistently throughout the game. What I liked about about this offensive performance is the first half was very clearly like this is easy. Yeah, this is easy. Um, maybe some questions about whether or not Stanford made some adjustments that USC didn't adjust to particularly well. But I also think there was um, execution in the third quarter was uh, pretty poor in, in some spots. I thought Caleb Williams missed some passes. I thought there were some moments where uh, one missed block here or there really blew up a play. So um, I'm not going to get like too deep on whether or not David Shaw like out schemed Lincoln Riley in the second half or anything like that. But I do want to get to one thing that Marcelo has brought up in the chat before we go to anything else. Marcelo says, um, flawed, in my opinion, is the wrong word. Incomplete. It's not an inherent flaw. It can yeah. be corrected. For sure. The ceiling yeah. on this team is astronomical. I disagree. Okay. Especially after watching this game. USC has an inherent flaw. They don't have anyone else on defense to come and save the day. Damani Jackson, maybe. Corey Foreman turning a corner, which he didn't in this game, maybe. But the guys that USC has now are the guys that USC has. And they can get incrementally better, but you're not going to turn this defense into a top half of the Pac-12 defense overnight. Mm. I, I just I, don't think you are. If they continue to consistently produce turnovers, then I will eat my words later on. But the fact of the matter is, this defense is what it is. And they will hopefully get get better as the season goes on. But they're not going to get that they're not going to become elite at any point in this two season. things though i i a i don't think they need to be elite near one. Oh, i don't i but that's this is what i'm getting at this is this is my whole point usc's defense still needs recruiting help transfer help and schematic just time together right you can't just drop those in during the season you, it just doesn't happen so the ceiling on this team i disagree with marcelo the ceiling on this offense is astronomical. The ceiling on this team is limited, which is why I keep telling people, and I hate that we're having sort of a negative conversation during this car cast because I, I didn't intend to, but like this is why I kept telling people in the offseason, this is going to be a very fun season. But if you think USC is going to the playoff and isn't going to get their butt kicked if they get to the playoff, then you are sorely mistaken. There is a ceiling on this team. There are inherent flaws on this team, particularly on defense. And those things, unfortunately, are going to be part of the rebuilding process that happens with USC. Can this team be very successful? Yes, I think they can. Can they improve dramatically on, on defense? I mean, I would hope maybe. I'm not going to bet on it being a, a flawless transformation that suddenly turns a weakness into a strength. I think this defense, so long as they keep creating turnovers, will be something that can hold on as long as USC needs them to hold on in a game like this with Stanford. But Stanford is still one of the worst offenses USC is going to play this year. I, I don't know about that, to be honest. I, I think Stan, I think Stanford's offense might just end up being just fine. Yeah, uh, it's, their it's, defense, it's hard to say. Certainly, the, yeah, their the, defense is... Stanford's defense is not good. 
Um, I what I will say is while while we can sit here and point to the second half where SC struggled on offense, didn't get in the end zone, and all that stuff, I think I think we give the offense a benefit of the doubt because they were so good in that first half, right? And um, you know, Lincoln Riley has come out in the in the press conference and and said that the second half wasn't good enough. And uh, yeah, maybe some of it comes down to uh, to this or that. Or I, I've seen people say that you know uh, Caleb Williams was, took a, maybe a little too many shots downfield and 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 whatnot. And whatever it was, I to me, even if you point out those things, I think you also have to point out how the defense got better in the second half too. Um, because the first half for Stanford on the ground, they averaged 6.6 yards per carry. It was 2.6 in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and mind you, Stanford was still running the ball, even though they were down. Uh, they had to throw the ball considerably more than they did in the first half. But uh, they, they did go away from a little bit of those uh, those RPOs, the, the like the slow mesh the slow mesh. Because I think, again, those are adjustments that USC made even before halftime. Right. Where they were, okay, they're going to do these slow meshes. They, they caught them off guard a little bit. But, like, I do want to bring up as a, as a positive, really big positive, how many years have we talked about how USC's defense wasn't the problem? The offense hangs them out to dry by not giving them, as you like right. to say, run support. Yeah. Prime example today of what happens when you give your defense run support. Because guess what? In the second half, it's so much, there's so much less pressure on this defense. They can play looser knowing they have so much cushion. And yeah, they gave up a couple touchdowns. It, it's not the end of the world to me. I still liked the way they fought, the way they got the sacks when they needed to, all that kind of stuff. And I don't think those happen if you don't have an offense that put up 41 points on the board to begin with, which yeah. is a rare, how often did USC even score 40 points in under the previous regime? It was rare. It was, it was really rare, which and, is crazy because, and I think we can see the talent to score the 40 what's points. Crazy, what's crazy is that the first half performance was incredible, but like four quarters of play, this was a subpar offensive performance. USC legitimately, like I don't even, if they play at 50% of what they were in the first, in the first half, they score 60 points on this team. Like yeah. USA should feel disappointed. They only got 41 points. What a world to be in where we can sit here and say USC should be disappointed with their 41 point performance. Like I love that for USC. I love that for Lincoln Riley and this team. I love that for the fans. I love that for everybody. Like that is a really great feeling. And I think it's the kind of thing that will ultimately help this defense get to a point where they can get more stops when they need them. Because it's not on them. It's not they, they don't have to play tight. They don't have to play worried. Yeah, hundred percent. And we're gonna see how these things kind of grow and uh, go on as the season comes. I mean, the next two weeks are gonna be two tough games uh, at home to, against Fresno State. We know how good Fresno State is. That's no secret. One of the best G five teams in the country, and they've been that way for literally decades now. Uh, and then an Oregon State team that is really good on the road in Corvallis, the place where your hopes and dreams go to die. Where we Corvallis. have a lot of trauma to uh, to, yes. <laughs> to exercise. Yeah, every team in the Pac-12 seemingly has trauma in, in Corvallis. Which, and by the way... Those two teams are playing right now. By the way, when this, um, when this car cast is done, uh, USC fans, do yourself a favor, turn on CBS Sports Network and watch... 
USC's next two opponents. How often does USC get to watch get, you get your next two opponents, including an out of conference opponent, playing the week before you play them? Oregon yeah. State is playing Fresno State at this very moment, so yeah, uh, that'll be a, a good Doesn't chance. Exactly to, happen. No, it'll be a good chance to sort of get a look at both those teams. I think you and I both agree that those teams are more of a threat than Stanford. But if USC's offense plays at the level that they can clearly play, I think USC has to go in and say, we just have to just overcome these guys and and prove that we are for real. If USC gets through those two teams with victories, you guys will not have to listen to me say, you know, slow the roll, slow the hype, (laughs) slow the anything like that. Um, But it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a huge challenge. And this is why I keep, uh, this is what I, what I was sort of saying earlier too, is I like that Lincoln Riley gets to go into practice, the next practice and say, guys, that wasn't good enough. Well, that's what, one of the things I thought about is that you look at this game and, and in a lot of ways, it reminds me in the first half, I kept thinking of the 2005 team. And for a lot of people, they talk about 2005 USC in glowing terms. I don't, honestly, I don't. Because that defense was atrocious. I think it was w- probably Pete Carroll's worst defense was that 2005 well, Just team. think about the defense that took the field against Texas. Like, Yeah, they were not good. Think about what the 2004 defense would have done. The 2004 team, if, if they were on the field against Texas, Vince Young never gets all the endorsement deals he does because he never has that game. Yeah. Like, it, it's a completely different world if you have Grudegood and uh, Mike Patterson, Sean Cody. Uh, and all those guys on the, the defense, funny thing is, okay, which they, who they didn't have in 2005. Would, would the Ting brothers play on this defense? On this year's defense? Yeah. No. No. Which says something about the 2005 team. I mean, outside of last year's defense, I don't think the Ting brothers suit up for any other defense. No. Yeah. Uh, but no, th- to go back to 2005, what was the story about 2005? The offense was so incredibly good. And yes, the 2005 offense is better than the 2004 uh, offense, but the 2005 team was not nearly as good as the 2004 team because the the defense was flawed. But the offense covered all of that up, and that's why you had the lead-up to that game in the Rose Bowl against Texas where ESPN is doing this daily thing. Could SC beat the, the 72 Trojans? Could they beat the 95 Huskers? Could they beat the 93 Seminole? All these different things, right? Um, and it was this big argument every single day on College Football Live and all those shows and SportsCenter because of how good USC's offense was. But everyone ignored, ignored that they gave up 42 points at home to Fresno State. Which, by the way, is exactly the 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 sort of template for what I think the games that USC struggles in this year will look like. Like there is a chance that that Fresno state USC game next week can look something similar. It it could, but here's the thing. If you are what USC is right now, which is year one under Lincoln Riley, if the 2005 team is what this team ends up being, that is such a victory. No kidding. Because if you are the 2005 team and you score a billion points, but you give up uh, a half billion, who cares? You're ahead of schedule. You're ahead of schedule based on everything else. And if that's what this team ends up being, that's what it looked like it was going to be in the first half, then yeah, who, who cares that they're flawed on defense? 
or that they're that they're incomplete on defense, the offense is going to mask that. The offense is going to allow this team to get better. It's going to buy time for the defense to get better under Alex Grinch as the season progresses. That's a good thing. And it's a good thing that they're not winning these games 55 to nothing because while that would be great for hype, it also shows that, yes, there are problem areas that they can go and work on. Yeah. Um, that in year one, I think that that's not the end. That's not the worst thing it, in the world. It's year to, one. To be where USC is at for me in year one, this should have been a three-year rebuild for the next coach. It really should have been. Yeah, but when you hire Lincoln Riley, you hire Lincoln Riley, you shorten the time span. When you when you have right. the transfer portal, you shorten the time span. Right. USC's offense is already at a level that I did not sort of even imagine was possible this quickly. Yeah. Um, and that's a reflection of how good. Uh, Caleb and I mean there was a graphic up during the game showing uh, Caleb Williams Travis Dye and Jordan Addison what their numbers were and it's like I was looking at it going like none of them were in Cardinal and Gold last year like what a world to live in that like yeah. this is this is the way that it is and 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 there's a lot more um, that that are contributing like how great was it to see like McCree get a touchdown love seeing him come through Mario Williams had a, a couple of really great plays like there's guys all over this team that are just very easy to root for and that, that can really take it to another team. Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Prize Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Reign of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Prize Picks app with the code Reign of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Start about the positives for USC. 41 points tonight. 35 of those, of course. In the first half, USC scores on their first five drives. 
pretty flawlessly. Uh, Caleb Williams, 20 of 27, 341 yards through the air, four touchdowns, a passer rating of 229.1. Those are numbers you have not seen at USC in recent years. Um, That efficiency you have not seen at USC in recent years, uh, and it looks – Pretty darn good in the stat book. How would you how would you assess Caleb Williams tonight? And those numbers don't even do the first half performance justice. They're not even as good as they could have been, right? No, well, no, because if if I mean, I thought he had a rough third third quarter. I thought he yeah. he he suddenly was missing passes that he was he was at least putting near the receiver um, earlier. So he he definitely had a little a little dip there. But the stat sheet doesn't show how effortless he made it look in mm-hmm. the first half. Like that long bomb to uh, to Jordan Addison, perfect spot, thing of beauty. Yeah, I mean, and I I could sit here and praise Caleb Williams because he just he clearly can navigate this beautifully. But like, I just want to shout out the like the play design, the execution. Shout out the offensive line for giving the support that they needed to give in this game with the attitude that they came in with. Um, I, I'm thinking about something that Nick Saban said after the Texas-Alabama game where he uh, was talking about Bryce Young and how good he, like what makes him so good. And he gave the laundry list of things that that is impressive about Bryce Young. And then he ended it by saying, but a quarterback also needs the people around him to play well. And right. it's hard to be a quarterback when the players around you aren't playing well. And clearly, like Saban, that's a shot at Alabama's players who weren't playing particularly well around Bryce Young. But I think that in this game, Caleb Williams, it's so easy for him in part two because the players around him are playing well. The coaches are putting him in a position to succeed. And how many times have I said put players in position to succeed over the last few years? And that's not in a positive sense, saying like they they aren't doing that. So. Caleb, I just think he he is like the perfect gemstone to fit onto this arrangement of uh, what what would you say the, the the like a like on a ring or whatever like the perfect thing to just fit in there and have that all come together. Isn't it crazy to you that he's a sophomore? He's so young. Because because like I look at it and you know he's been anointed as you know a Heisman candidate and all these things in in the preseason. And then you look and you remember, well, he only played like eight games last year. He didn't start until the middle of October, uh, took over and all these things. And while he was very good, like there's part of me that all off season is like, yeah, but like he was still a freshman last year and all these things. He has less than one season of starting experience. Yeah. And then you look at him, how he's been so far through two games. And it's like, the dude looks like a redshirt senior. He, you know, he 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 plays like what USC expected out of Sam Darnold after the Rose Bowl, and he plays like what SC expected out of Matt Barkley after the 2011 season when he came back for his, uh, his Heisman campaign. Right? Those two guys never got to that level. Caleb Williams is at that level in his first year as a Trojan, and in his. Sophomore season. Think about what the last. I know it's only two games, but like, just you can just see the way that the confidence that he has and and all of that. Think about what the last twelve months have been like for this dude. Like, he gets to he he's in Oklahoma. He's not starting, dealing with the frustration of that. 
he talked about this um, on his like mental health PSA about how, you know, it was difficult to, to not have things going the way he wanted it to go. He gets the starting job. Lincoln Riley leaves him. He plays in a bowl game. Mm-hmm. He enters the transfer portal. He spends a month and a half deciding if he's going to transfer or where. Picks USC, signs a bunch of NIL deals, does spring camp, does summer workouts, does fall camp, starts at USC. Like, the 12 months that this dude has had, all the while having to deal with Oklahoma fans in his mentions constantly berating him, all the while having to deal with uprooting his life to Los Angeles, getting to know an entire new team, getting to know an entire new city, all of that kind of stuff. Like, dude. We moved a year ago, and I still feel like I'm recovering from we being in a boxes new apartment. That haven't been yeah, yeah, there are literally still bar- boxes in this apartment that have not been opened. We have little sound dampener things that we have not put up on the walls. Like, and we've been here for over a year now. So uh, it's just incredible to me that a 19 year old is he 19 or is he 20? Whatever, whatever, a, a, a young person the age of Caleb Williams to be handling the stuff that is that he, that he is handling. I am. I, I could not be more impressed. And then you think about like what he's handling on the football field. Yeah. Because I mean, just dealing with that personal life stuff would be a lot. And he comes out and he looks like you know the this offense like the back of his hand. It's just so wonderful to see. Um, but it's it, but also this game is a good reminder. He's not flawless. He's not. He's he's not perfect. He's gonna no. have a third quarter like this occasionally. He's and gonna have what? a third quarter like that. But what did he not do in the third quarter? He didn't turn it over. Yes, he didn't turn the ball over. Yeah, Caleb Williams' worst quarter of football for USC so far involved having to kick a field goal, to kick two field goals and and punt once. Like that's not bad. Yeah. And and those those growing pains are gonna happen. It's perfectly okay. But like, just think about what he's capable of. It's it's beyond. It's just beyond anything. Yeah, hundred percent. And for me, he he can slide. Was the he last can US, slide. Was the last USC quarterback to slide. Yep. 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 Slovis, not so much. Max Brown, not so much. There's, there's been dudes who just could not slide. Tra- Travis Die quote that just came in. My guy die. Yep. Who only became more my guy in this game? By the way, <laughs> my guy die. Uh, I've been on a lot of good teams. This is the best team I've been on. I believe that this is the best offense he's been on. I'm I, not going to lie. I believe he's won a Rose Bowl. Is that, is, that, is, that, is that true? Yes. I believe this is the best offense he's been on. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, I mean, uh, the crazy thing is... If, if USC had Oregon's defense from when Travis Dye was on that team, um, USC would be a playoff contender. It, the crazy thing is he's played with Justin Herbert, so... Um, he, he knows what a good quarterback is. Uh, mind you, I don't think anyone expected you, Chargers Justin Herbert to be what, what came out of Oregon. But, uh, seriously. Yeah, that's a whole different discussion. Seriously. All right, let, let's talk about the running game. Uh, SC runs for a buck 64, averaging 4.6 yards per carry. Uh, it really all comes from Travis Dye. 14 carries, 105 yards, first game, uh, hitting the century mark for the Trojans in his career. Um, and adds a touchdown, a 27-yard touchdown in which he had a hole that was wider than the Grand Canyon, basically. I saw, I mean, my my we were watching the game with you and my brother, and you guys can attest. As that hole opened up, like, I audibly gasped. Yeah. I was like, oh! It was huge. It was just, oh my, oh, when was the last time that you saw USC, USC's offense you, just do something like you that? You know what I it think reminded about, me of? 
Stanford in 2017? Yes. Yes. Was, yes, was, yes. It, was a car that ran through a hole like that that Chris Chris Brown? 2017 Chris Stanford. Brown opened up for him? Yes. 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 And yeah, that was the that was the game where it was like, oh my gosh, this offensive line may be legit. Oh my gosh, Chris Brown. Oh, what a game from him. Oh my yeah. gosh, like you could drive a truck through that hole. I don't think we've seen anything like that from USC since then. And and credit to this offensive line because that was just a beautiful play. Travis Dye, I mean, you could have put the ball in my hand and I could have scored a touchdown. And trust me, there are not very many opportunities where I could actually score a touchdown on a football field. So um, you just, uh, you love, but it's not just that. Like it's not, it was great watching the pass protection. You know what one of the best plays of this game was? And I don't even remember what the outcome of it was. All I remember is um, uh, uh, Justin Dietrich and uh, it has to be Jonah Monheim are sort of double teaming somebody and Stanford sends a late blitz. How many times did late blitzes destroy USC in the past? How many times was that USC's Achilles heel? And Stanford sends a, a, a delayed blitz and Dietrich just throws himself at it and buys Caleb Williams time. To, was that the horse collar play maybe? Um, I, I don't remember. I, I I think in terms of the the big blocks, I think of the one where a where Travis Dye makes the the where Travis Dye comes no blocky, back no rocky play. Yes, no blocky, yeah. no rocky. Where I'm giving him credit for that one. And then he had that run where it was like a scrum, and everyone's pushing. Everyone's along. pushing yeah. him. Yeah, there were so many of those moments, and it's just really really nice to see from from these players because they're they're showing how much they want it, and and I just love that. I love that for all of them. Um, but that's that, I think that is what you have to sort of take from, you know, I, and I felt bad in like last year, the year before. I remember having conversations with people like just like, I don't like this team like Drake London. I will love to the end of my days, but like he's the only one that I just feel like he's putting his body on the line. Vi Malapai was one of the guys that I always knew, like, dude's going to fight. It doesn't he's matter. Yeah. He's my guy. Vi. Dude's gonna, no, no matter what what is going on in the game, no matter where they are at. He's gonna put his body on the line, and I just feel like so many of these guys have that quality. That that, um, and and it's nice to see this offensive line, an offensive line full of holdovers, by the way. Yeah. Who are plus Bobby Haskins, yeah, plus Bobby Haskins, but who are leading that charge? Um, so it's just sort of proof that you can start to change a culture, and you can start to change minds, and and you can have an offensive line that isn't on the ground half of the time. Like I was, I was noticing that later on in the game is like, dude, this offensive line, like at the end of every play, they're not like on the ground unless they're on top of like uh, pancaking somebody at this point. Like that, that wasn't happening in the past. And it's just so nice to see. Yeah. All told SC ran for 164 yards, which uh, that'll do. That's probably your average um, run of the mill performance, but for what SC needed them to do, they, they did it. I think Travis die, uh, certainly led the way seven and a half yards per carry. The only thing I think you would have liked to see more is maybe more Relic Brown, obviously coming off a game in which he left early uh, last week against Rice. The whole injury stuff, we know that, that was the conversation all week and it was up in the air because USC's not talking about injuries anymore. Four touches, uh, 19 yards. He looked healthy, but didn't have the same sort of... Um, production that he had last week certainly against rice and i don't think he needs to in in week two when you have travis die when you have austin jones um i'm glad they didn't try to overwork him in this yeah. game with an ankle sprain to um 
those things, you don't want to push them too hard. It's better to just let it heal as, as long as you can until you really need to break him out and, and have him put put some the burners on uh, in a game that, you know, is a little bit more nervous as 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 sort of quote unquote nervous as this game got like realistically i was never sitting here going like yeah this is i think reese davis wanted it to be reese davis really wanted it to be and yes it was certainly closer than i than i wanted it to be but like realistically i don't think it was ever gonna happen and it never got to the point where you were nervous if you were interested in like prop 27 you know what i mean yeah (laughs) yeah so didn't didn't have any bets on the uh, on the end of this game uh, let's talk about the the receiving game. Uh, Jordan Addison, a hell of a game for him. Seven catches, hundred and seventy two yards. Did he get his uh, his career high? Did, did he break that? Or I, I don't remember. They mentioned he was close. I, I I don't have the numbers in front of me. I remember that I talked about it before. His year last year at Pitt was catching like six catches a game for like eighty yards. Yeah, and then he had like three games, three big like hundred and fifty plus yard games. Um, and it was interesting because his numbers were were good, but not like, oh my god. Um, and there was part of me that was like, well, his numbers don't really compare to say Devonte Smith from Alabama a few years ago, or what Marquise Lee had done at SC and all this stuff. However, you look at the game today, and it's like, yes, he's absolutely on their level. A hell of a game, two touchdowns, first one on a nifty little, beautifully designed. Ooh. Uh, screenplay in which SC has everyone and their mom out there defending. You see uh, two offensive linemen pull uh, and and lead downfield to block. I think Brett was, Nealon is his beautiful. lead blocker out there. It was, it was gorgeous. It was great. Completely um, not safe for work. And, no. and then the long bomb. Which was also not safe spot. for work, by the he, way. He makes a perfect Ooh. catch on it and uh, shimmies to lose the defender and scores on a on a 75 yard touchdown. That was beautiful, beautiful. His his career high is 202 yards, 14 catches against Virginia yeah. last November. So, so he didn't get that, but still 172 yards is pretty 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 damn good. Pretty good um, start for for, you know, us to asking the question, will he be able to win the Bolitnikov with those kinds of performance? It's, Absolutely. It's yes. looking good. And then right behind him, um well, 100 yards behind him, but still uh, behind him in terms of targets was Mario Williams. Four catches, 74 yards. Uh, had six targets, and, and I have two questions to you about Mario Williams. Number one, how, what, what, was, what was the better play? The, the jump ball in which he tracks it and then perfectly kind of rope-a-dopes the, um, uh, the, the defensive the defen- back into – Grabbing him, it should have been a PI that was never called. Yeah, mind you, SC committed a billion PIs too. Um, but in, into getting the ball in the perfect spot and, and using his body to to make sure only he had a shot at the ball, or the very next play, which is that little uh, quick little bubble out there where he makes a man miss and runs all the way for the uh, the touchdown. Um, which one? Which which one's your favorite? I liked that little that little screen pass, but to me, the way he tracked the ball in the air, the way he dealt with the defender, the way he caught that ball despite uh, despite their you know being defender being all over him like that, um, that is that is wonderful. That is yeah. great because it's that kind of play that, which is I think why you value a receiver like a Drake London or a Michael Pittman, um, the guys who when your pass isn't 
the perfect pass that the defender has no chance at it. Only you have a chance at it. Like if you're Kayla Williams, you are giving Mario Williams a handshake and saying, thank you, sir, because that pass floated on Caleb Williams and Mario Williams still came down with it. And he made sure that the defender didn't. And it was just beautiful. Everything, everything about that play played it perfectly and he got rewarded for it. So love to see it. Yeah. And then the other thing that I wanted to talk to you, to you about Mario Williams is uh, Jordan Addison, eight targets, Mario Williams, six, the next receiver to get multiple targets is nobody. Uh, every other receiver had one target. Uh, we talked about it in the preseason. What were the target distributions going to be like? Like, was it going to be a situation? Um, well, my, mind you, th- I'm looking at the numbers here. Someone might have had more targets, but of the people who caught balls, nobody had multiple. No receiver had multiple targets. Um, what we we talked in, in the preseason that. You know, we assumed that Travis Nye would be the number one rusher for USC and that Jordan Addison would be the number one receiver. But who was going to be the number two for those things? I, I think in the rushing game, I think it's still up in the air if it's if it's Jones or Brown. You look at the the passing game and who's the number two receiver. Is it just flat out Mario Williams? Is is it him? Like the way the distribution worked tonight looks like it like it is. I think I think that's naturally going to be the way that it's going to trend. Um, there will obviously be games where I think Brendan Rice will outpace Mario Williams, could even outpace Jordan Addison. Uh, but to me, it was always destined to be Jordan Addison and then Mario Williams. Um, not just because of his familiarity with Caleb Williams already, but because he's a he's a he's a talent and he's just gonna he's gonna rise to the top. Uh, it, it will be like. Part of me wonders, though, was this a function of Stanford not being able to take away Addison or Williams? Because a lot of the times when Williams caught the, like, Williams and Addison were catching the ball with space. And it's just like I still still every time it happens, I'm like, oh, wide receiver in space. Oh, my gosh. Because um, it was so foreign for so many years. But I think that it was you could run into a situation where Stanford was giving USC those those plays and. Another defense might say Jordan Addison will not be receiving the ball, and at that point, then yeah. we're gonna we're gonna see how they sort of spread the ball around. But that's the beauty of this offense, right? Pick yeah. your poison. If if you want to take away Jordan Addison, fine, they'll find somebody else. If you don't want to take away Jordan Addison, fine, he's gonna score two touchdowns. Like deal with that. So, I I am very comfortable with Jordan Addison and Mario Williams as one and two, with Brendan Rice as two or three. Um, but I, I, I think that this season you'll see all three of those guys shine. You'll have I expect I, Taj Washington to be in that. In that you'll mix. have Taj Washington yeah. fe- featuring at some point. Uh, it, it's just, it's, it's the offense is set up too perfectly to respond to what the defense does mm-hmm. that you're going to see a lot of defenses try to come at it one way or the other. And you're going to see the offense, uh, the, the production of the offense, who, who gets the ball where. Uh, reflect that yeah 100 percent uh if, if you're joining us on youtube and there's a bunch of you guys that are and we'd love to have you guys here uh be sure to comment uh any questions that you have we'll go through the comments and the questions over at the end uh you can put question at the beginning of your comment so that way we can sort of mark it uh and then go back to it uh we've heard some feedback that sometimes it's a little short uh you can just keep writing and uh, in another comment, and, and we'll see that uh, the the two things go together too. So, uh, go ahead and add those things to 
uh, the chat, and uh, we'll get to that after we talk about the defense. Um, surely, SC gives up a bunch of yards, 441. The big bulk of that came in the first half. Uh, when you look at what SC did individually, another big game out of Eric Gentry, 10 tackles, 8 solo tackles, didn't get your breakups. Um, we had those in the over-under. Uh, couldn't get his mitts on the ball. Um, you, but, you thought that he got one in the Max Williams pick, but but it wasn't him. I, Caleb Bullock nearly got that one too. Yeah. The the thing I will say, and the broadcast pointed this out, the 6'6 linebacker forces the quarterback to adjust his throw too. So like, it's almost like he does, it just, just him being there uh, and, and, and in a position to, to be capable of, of tipping a ball. Um is his value. Sadly, the stat sheet won't show that. Yeah, 100%. Uh, the stars on defense, you look at tackles for loss. Anthony Beavers tackled a half uh, for loss. Look at that. Former Narbonne guy. Uh, but by way of St. Bernard. Uh, Nick Figueroa with a sack and uh, a tackle for loss. A couple of sacks for uh, Solomon Bird. And then there's this guy named Tuli Tuipoloto. I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, one sack, four tackles for loss. Four of them. Big, yeah. big, big, big game. For, yeah, that was uh, a for that was a big game for him. Good to see, especially at the end when, you know, just to keep the game from being a little bit nervous. <laughs> USC came out and and had probably their best defensive uh, drive of the game in that that last. Just nope, nope, Stanford. <laughs> I'll call it the nope, Stanford uh, drive. Uh, so it was really good to see him come up when it when it really you know might have gotten a little bit nervous or, or dangerous there i'm trying to think so eric gentry imp- has impressed me a lot he mm-hmm. really has i still yeah. haven't gotten over like his body type at linebacker it's still by, weird by the way um rest in peace uh to uh well i hope not rest in peace but but our condolences do go out to eric gentry and um his area <laughs> Uh, tough moment um, for, for yeah. him in that third quarter and um, the yeah. fourth quarter. Uh, hard hard moment for him to, to deal with, but he got through it. Yeah, that did not look fun no. at all. <laughs> and by the way, a hell of a play for Tanner McKee on the next play to go right after him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's of course what of you course, should do. Yes, yeah, yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I still think that the secondary is vulnerable because it just feels like they don't have a good sense of like where they're supposed to be. Like, I just think they're, they're, they're too easy to pick apart. And that's going to be something that I hope that Grinch tightens up as the season goes on. Um, I'm sort of torn on Makai Blackman here. Cause on the one hand, I thought he played well on the other hand, is he going to have quite a few PIs oven mitts on his hands uh, in practice this week? Uh, because the, the the flags were flying on every every so, play downfield, it seemed. So I, I guess that that is something to keep an eye on. But the, the flags were flying, and I, I don't think a lot of them were the ticky tack um, Pac twelve ones either. I think they were, were like. Most of them were like, yeah, that's just going to always be Watching called. SEC games today, there were a couple that I just thought. The SEC, like. Bel- you like, get away with that in Their the SEC understanding of what contact is. Is very like, different. Not yeah. real. You yeah. Know? <laughs> it's yeah. a completely different sport, basically. Yeah. But but no, I, I, 
Yeah, SC downfields um, with the corners, Makai Blackman especially. Rough night, I thought. Yeah, for sure. Um, at the same point, if you're going to trade, giving up a ball downfield or uh, being a little handsy, I don't hate it. The, the ones, ones I, that hurt are the ones that are on third down. There were The ones that are downfield, the ones that keep drives going and sustaining late in the second half and that, you know, it never got into squeaky bum time. Yeah. But it certainly could have if, if there was another PI or two. There were a couple that I was frustrated because of the ball. It wasn't uncatchable in the sense of like the rest won't throw the flag because it's uncatchable, but it was also uncatchable in the sense that you didn't need that contact because that ball wasn't going to get caught. So, yeah, um, yeah, I just I, I think, again, these are things to work on. As, as you know, what we talked about earlier is like, how much can this defense improve? Well, those are the areas where the defense can improve the, those, those penalties yeah. and all of that kind of stuff. So. Um, it, uh, it's just, it's one of those things. You just need to see something more steady from the secondary. I think I could live with those kinds of penalties and those kinds of plays more if I felt more confident in USC's run defense. Cause like sure. the way I see it, and I think we've mentioned this on the podcast before, Rafa Benitez, the former Liverpool manager, former Chelsea manager, former literally everybody manager in soccer used to describe defending as a, a, bl- a too small blanket. Yeah, the blanket. Blanket so, theory. Yeah, so you have a too small blanket, and you have to decide where you're going to be warm. So do you cover your feet, but that leaves your head exposed? Do you cover your head, but that leaves your feet exposed? So you're always going to have a too small blanket unless you are like a super elite level defense, and that's not what USC has. So I'm comfortable with that. I'm comfortable with have, being the too, the, the too small blanket and and knowing that, you are going to have to give them something. The problem with this defense is they are a a, a hand-towel-sized blanket at times where they can't stop the run, but they also give up those deep plays or pass interferences on them. And I, like, I, just, I want this defense to figure out one or the other and just <laughs> live with that. Yeah, I I still think it's too early to say that they're that. I mean, clearly through two games and given who they've played, I think the rush defense is decidedly worse. Yes. So I I think it's too early to really have a judgment on the pass defense. Um, it's certainly a a an unsatisfactory judgment because this is a team that's forced six interceptions in two games. And yes, uh, a lot of the rice ones were tips and those could have gone any direction. And, and, you know, you, you know, of games in the past that those didn't go SC's way. There's luck involved. Yeah. Yes. But at the same time, there's still six picks in two games. SC is finding a way to get those things. um, And you have to create your own luck at some point. I think that USC has done that in a lot of ways. Um, And, we talked about it before. Stanford is a team that with Tanner McKee, they're, they're going to want to throw the football. They're going to want to move down the the, the field that way. And Mind Stan- you, I, I think stylistically, they didn't necessarily do those things early on because they kind of saw that the way to beat USC's defense is to take advantage of how aggressive they're going to be with their first step and, and try to slow things off with the, with the mess point and all that stuff and get EJ Smith involved in the ground game. Uh, towards the end, it was what uh, Casey Filkins, Filkins, yes. yeah, Filkins, um, and so that was a little bit different. But but 
still, I, I think that we're going to learn more about USC's pass defense next week when they play Jake Hayner. Uh, and then, you know, going forward when they play Washington State in a few weeks, uh, Cam Ward, like, yeah. I think you're going to learn about those things. Um, but for now, I put my eggs in the basket of the of the pass defense way more than the rush defense. Oh, well, I mean, yes, because <laughs> the run defense is. Yeah. And I, I will give the DBs. I'm going to give them some leeway because I still don't think USC's pass rush is effective enough just across no. the board. Um, the moment USC gets their pass rush going, things will change drastically for this yeah. defense. But I mean, they did have five sacks tonight, which is yes, damn good. and and most of those came in the second half. And I credit the defense with doing that. But I think it's easier in the second half to get those sacks when the quarterback is pressing with a a, a, a seventeen or twenty one point deficit. Right. Well, that's you need what, to be able to get those in the first half. That's one of the things that set the tone. You, you look at last. I mean, you can look at both games and say the SC's defense got better in the second half. They surely did. Um, USC's defense got much better in the second half. They gave up the same number of points in the first half and the second half, but they didn't get better by the numbers in the second half. And they did the same thing against Rice. And one of the questions over on our fr- uh, on our friend Keeley's pod uh, with with Dion Bailey, former USC great Dion Bailey, he was asked, was the second half about USC making adjustments or was it about SC getting the big plays to go their way and breaking down Rice's will to to succeed. And he thought it was more about the will. And I think that that is something at play here too. Mind you, Stanford ne- certainly never gave up in this game, No, but it is a completely different game for a, your mojo and Stanford's, you know, confidence when you're able to score on literally every drive and put the pressure on Stanford to know that they have to do the same thing too. Yes. And that's, that's exactly what I was getting at earlier. When you put points on the board you put pressure on everything else about the other team. Yeah. And 100%. the the Stanford's very few offenses that USC is there an offense that USC will face this year that will feel confident going in that one to one with a neutral defense that they could outscore this offense. I'm going to say no. Now, they might tell well, themselves, no, no. they might tell themselves, but Utah we just saw, Florida um, I think Utah could. No, okay. Utah could be the one. That's hold, that's hold the on. only one I was going to go with. Hold, hold on, we're, we're saying that they're playing against the same defense, one to one neutral defense. Yes, so it's not USC going against USC's defense. Because the Utah the other thing versus, is, I absolutely think that Utah could score sixty on this USC yes, defense. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, if they play like they did in the but first half, but if USC, you know what I mean? if USC played this USC defense, they could score score seventy. Yes, I so, believe that too. Yeah, hundred percent. No, with all due respect. <laughs> um, but so that has a psychological impact, right? Yeah. And I think that we talked about like you play tight when you know you have to score. Mm-hmm. So Fresno State is going to play come Madden. In. I know how that works. You know it. Yes. Fresno State is going to come in and know that they have to score and they might rise to the occasion, but that pressure can also do, do things to you. Like it can, yeah. it can work in your favor. So Scoring matters, certainly in the modern game. Scoring matters. Yeah. I mean, the fact of the matter is that Alabama, Nick Saban wants a very elite defense. That's for damn sure. But he also has acknowledged in the past several years that scoring is also a, a way to, to well, boost your team up. Alabama's defense last year, I believe, gave up 19 and a half points, 19.8 points, something like that. Yeah. 
which is like double what they did 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. 10 years ago, in order to have an effective defense, you had to keep teams to single digits. Right. Which is, there was a comment earlier in the chat that said that something about to the effect of the, the 2005 defense is nowhere near as bad as the, as the 2020, 2022 defense. Yes, that is true. I agree. The difference being USC's 2005 offense, we can say was the best offense we've seen in our lives. This year's de- offense is going to outperform them in terms of metrics, like the numbers. Yeah. Because the I game mean, has progressed. Like just, the numbers are just different. Just remember, Cody Kessler owns most of the USC passing records. Yes. Right. Like, like that's just like the game has evolved, right? Like the, in terms of numbers, things are different. Like, that team, the SC team averaged, I want to say like 48 points a game or whatever. Yes, averaging 48 points a game probably is going to be, you know, top two or three in scoring offense. But like, given what this USC did team did today, like they could have scored at least two more touchdowns. Yeah. And certainly the 2005 team could have scored seven. I mean, they scored 70 multiple times. So certainly that that is a thing. But uh, anyways, we got a bunch of questions. Let's get into that. Uh, Josh here in uh, on YouTube says, "Does USC get ranked higher than eighth in the AP poll? They're currently tenth. Uh, plenty of teams have lost ahead of them. Notre Texas Dame, A&M, Texas A&M, Notre A&M. Dame. Did anyone else lose ahead of them? Uh, are, they, are they the two? I I I need to pull up the. So it it might come down." To who watched the game and how long they watched? Yeah, those are the only two that lost. Because if people watch... Baylor's playing it out now, but I haven't looked up the Baylor score lately. For instance, if you are a sports writer for the AP, and all you saw was... Sorry, Baylor's currently winning the self-righteous bowl 13-10 to (laughs) uh, over over BYU. That's that's lovely. Baylor's Uh, ranked ninth. Okay, so if you are an AP voter and you see Clemson beat Furman 35 to 12. Yes. And you feel like punishing Clemson, you could move them down. Texas A&M will drop considerably. If you are, I mean, you got to put Texas in the top 10, right? If you do have to put Texas. (laughs) If you are an AP voter. Okay. Like I'm, I'm dead serious. Does Texas get ranked this week? Yes. I think like yes, I, absolutely. I think they do. Like yes. I think they go up. They were not ranked. They were uh 28th if yes. you include the others even I do think that they get ranked. They will be ranked in, with a loss. In in the top. And like, I, and 15. I wouldn't I wouldn't hate that by the way. Like no. the way give I look credit. at rankings I wouldn't hate that. No. Give them credit. In a normal uh, sense I would. Okay, but. if you're an AP voter and you saw the halftime score between Oklahoma and Kent State, are you taking another look at Oklahoma? Um Right. Notre Dame, they will drop considerably. How much did you watch the SC game, though? If you look at 41 well, that's 28, what, you might have just if, would have assumed that's, that's what the score was going to be That's my question anyways. about how long did you watch each of these games? Because if you only played away, played attention to Oklahoma and clocked 7-3 to three at halftime, wow, Sooners, that's a problem. Right. And then you only clocked USC at halftime, like, damn. Four well, turnovers, Kirk, USC rolling? Yeah, Trojans. I mean, Kirk Herbstreit made the argument that SC should be in the, that could be in the top five. I'm not going to go. I'm that not going to go that far. Sure. I'm not going to go that far. I, I think. I think the the crux of the matter is there's teams that are not in the top ten that probably should be there, 
uh, your Oklahoma States, um, whoever else um, off the top of my head I can't think of right now, um, that could be there. And there's teams in the top 10 who have not played up to snuff, mainly like Clemson, right? So yeah. certainly SC could be Clemson, eighth or seventh or whatever. And the the being, point of the matter is it doesn't matter in September. Clemson being ranked number five, by the way, after the last 12 I, months of Clemson I, I, is insane I'm, to me. I'm worried about Clemson. Like, what, like what, the, what happened in their how offense? How soulless and joyless is what that happened team? to dj well like what like yeah, I'm, I'm, i i don't know I'm, uh, i want to bring up something that uh, marcelo brought up at no point do i want this team thinking they're elite <laughs> gotta work for it marcelo you and i agree <laughs> on this one yeah. oh my gosh this is why i'm low-key low-key i'm kind of happy with 41 28 kind of happy with don't get too big for your britches kids like don't act like you're gonna roll through this season like Stay down to earth on this. Like, don't, don't, don't get a, don't get too excited here. You still got work to do. I think yeah. that the longer that this team can feel that way, if this team can sustain that feeling to Utah and then beat Utah, then go crazy. But like, yeah, yeah, hundred uh, percent. Next question uh, here on the YouTube's uh, Dave, our friend Dave in Orange County says, "What's uh, Alicia drinking in that fan-sided mug of yours?" He says, hashtag coffee, hashtag water, hashtag white claw. That's how we roll. Hashtag straight bourbon, baby. I would much rather have straight bourbon in this than white claw. I I hate those hard seltzers. I hate them so much. I hate regular seltzers too. So like that's a thing. But this is a good old 8.15 p.m. freshly brewed coffee. Because I was starting to yawn at the end of that, of that, uh, that USC game. <laughs> and I knew... I've got to stay up for Fresno State, uh, uh, Oregon State, which is currently 14-13 in the third quarter. It's a good scouting mission. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what? I'm I'm going to have a coffee. I also want to keep an eye on Mississippi State, Arizona. I don't know what the score is on that one. Baylor, BYU, I want to keep an eye on. So, like, there's just a lot going on the rest of the night. I'm like, I'm having a coffee, fan-sided mug, coffee. Yeah. N- nobody asks. Nobody, nobody likes me. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Four Peaks, pint glass, empty with uh, – Good old uh, H2O. Mm. Yeah. Uh, next question from Hector. How significant is this win and what message does it send uh, to the Pac-12 and the nation? Um, I think it's significant in that you, like we talked about earlier, SC. this was a game in which SC, by all accounts, could have let this slip through their hands. Stanford got in the red zone multiple times and turned the ball over. Uh, they scored touchdowns on those two drives. You do the math, they win the game, right? Like, um this it's this weird. could have this could have gone a different way and i think it's significant in that they didn't let it that happen and that doesn't make the win significant it just means that they prevented an opportunity for things to get a little weird what's what's interesting is that i think if you are a pac 12 rival you can draw whatever conclusion you want from this game it's a rough i think test. you want to you want to do that uh you, you want to do that uh slow mesh thing Yes, you want to do that slow mesh thing, but but like more than anything, it's like you can either draw from damn this offense is really good and we should be really worried about them. Or you say damn USC's defense, like Stanford sucks. If we just are better than them, we're going to we're going to eat. And look yep. at what happened to USC's offense in the second in the second half when things didn't go their way. Like this this USC team is vulnerable. I think you can read anything you want into this game realistically uh if you want to go 
from from the this team is here for the taking or man that 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 offense is something to behold. Yeah. Uh, right now, I think if you're a Pac-12 team, you think, ooh, USC is the best offense in, offense in the Pac-12. If you're a Pac-12 team, you're also thinking USC might have the worst defense in the Pac-12, minus yeah. minus a million turnovers. Right. And everyone will go into every game saying, well, we're going to protect the football. So hmm. I, I think there's two ways you can attack SC right now. You can say, we're going to sit on the ball, take the air out of it, and try to play ball control and not let SC's playmakers be on the field. I think that's a viable strategy. The other one is to say, SC's defense is vulnerable. Effort, let's go out and try to sc- outscore so, them. You know what's interesting? Um, on on your ball control idea, mm-hmm. that only works if you think you can get a stop against USC. Yeah, I mean, well, and both of them the only work if you think you can get a stop. Because if you limit possessions, you're limiting your own you're possessions. You're limiting yourself too. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think that could backfire on some folks. I mean, but so does the screw it. We're just going to outscore them. Yeah, because. We're backfire. And, and this is the whole like big 12, big 12 bad situation. Why games end up in shootouts and why teams like Texas Tech would always end up playing Oklahoma in a shootout is because their mindset is we are going to out shoot out them. We're going to out air raid them. So let's just. Do this thing. We will just and we will turn this into a track meet, and let's just try to beat them that way. And I think you could try to beat USC that way. The problem is, it's just very risky because, like we talked about it, this SC offense is better than any offense that they're going to play this season. I think you can make an argument for UCLA's offense on the best day, given what DTR did to SC last year. But realistically, they're not there, right? Like. Then they lost a bunch of guys anyways. Mm-hmm. And SC doesn't play um, Oregon minus does Bo Nix really scare you? No. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Um, let's go to a question from uh, Marie who says, do you believe an all gas, no breaks method will be the most prudent on offense than the conservative approach that we saw tonight after creating a lead? Let's say you. I'd I'd like to go back and rewatch the game, particularly the third quarter, to get a sense of whether or not this was conservatism or just lack of execution. And I thought it was interesting because Travis Dye, I saw the quote floating around in my Twitter timeline saying, uh, we just took the foot off the pedal and we couldn't and we shouldn't have. We took it off just for a little bit and we can't do that. We have to just put it on their throats all the way for four quarters. I agree with that. I don't know if that foot off the gas thing was a directive from like the coaches in the sense that I'm not sure I'd like to go back and check if Lincoln really changed what he was doing. To me, it looked like the foot off the gas was a mentality thing from the players on the field. And that is something that the players have to, I think I, I trust someone like Travis Dye, someone like Caleb Williams to guard themselves against the idea of, oh, we're up big so we can just, you know, have a little fun now and just, you know, yeah. do, do whatever. So I I look forward to rewatching this game uh, or at least rewatching the third quarter and maybe addressing on the Monday show, like, was it conservative or not? Because I think that you can also just have a situation where guys lose their focus because 
they think they're done. They think the game is done and they can just sort of chill. Um, yeah, I I didn't clock any specific thing where I'm like, oh, they're going very conservative. That's because what that's. Of this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, and you just look at the basic numbers. They ran 18 times in the first half and 18 times in the second half. They threw 15 times in the first half. They threw 12 times in the second half. But I think Caleb Williams got sacked three times in the second half. So, um, and I thought a couple uh, sorry, of those t- sacks two times in the second half. So it basically evens out to what they were doing run pass one. One of those sacks was just an all out blitz that, that just caught him off guard. I think, Yeah, another and Caleb one, Williams had runs too. Yeah. He ran the ball. Another one of those sacks was just, I think there were moments where maybe Caleb was a little bit comfortable and he didn't get the ball out of his hands. He didn't have the urgency that maybe he needed to, and, yeah. and maybe trusted that he he'd have more time than he did. Um, because there were there were plays where he had plenty of time. You just sometimes you just got to give up and, and get the ball out. So that's something for him to to learn from as well in this game, and and for us to remember that he is a first year starter technically because this is only his ninth game as a starter. He hasn't even yeah. started twelve games in his career. These are going to happen. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Jay also says what happened to the offense in the second half. Yeah, I think it's we'll, we'll rewatch the game. We'll, and we'll, we'll talk about that more. I look recap forward at this point. to looking closer at that for the fallout episode. I think that's yeah. going to be a major theme of our fallout episode, actually. Yeah, 100 percent. Uh, a question from Cam Lifestyles. Uh, how do you guys keep all these mouth these mouths full? A lot of the guys didn't even get one look. Kyron Ware Hudson, Kyle Ford, Terrell Bynum, CJ Williams. A couple guys, only one attempt. Yeah, that's a valuable question. We've seen it in the past where USC's wide has had a thing where it's the Lee and Wood show and nobody else, right? Um, you, you look back at the, we were talking about the 2005 team. Chris McFoy was not getting, uh, you know, pass attempts because they were going to Jared and Smith, right? That's um, just how it was. And, and that's the same thing that it was. Uh, in the Lane Kiffin era, right? Like how many pass attempts was Brandon Carswell getting, right? Not not the same number that Robert Woods was getting. But there's more dudes on this team in terms of depth um, that I think that are worthy of getting those, uh, of, of getting the ball there. And so that's why I thought it was a little interesting that it was so heavy on Addison and, and Mario Williams tonight. Because yeah, I think that, you do need to see what Kyle Ford can do and you do need to see what Kyron Ware Hudson can do and what Brendan Rice and Taj Washington led SC in receiving last week against Rice. Where was he tonight? Yeah. And that's one of the things that, um, that, that I think that who was, it? I think it was Dave in the chat who was saying like, you know what, when, when Jordan Addison is, is there, you got to just write him like, that's yeah. fine. And I tend to agree with that. I know that you need to do a certain amount of roster management, but, but, but he also had, he had seven catches. He didn't have, he did, like, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like Drake London where he was getting feeding. targeted 18 times in a yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I think you just let this play out the way it's going to. Um, Kyron Hudson is going to have potentially games later on this season where he factors in more Kyle Ford, hopefully. Yeah. Terrell Bynum, hopefully, C.J. Williams, certainly, hopefully. But at the same time, for some of those guys, the clock is ticking faster than others. I think if you're Kyron Ware, Kyron Hudson and C.J. Williams, if I'm, you know, Lincoln Riley or or the receivers coaches, I'm looking at them and saying, you know, Jordan Addison is leaving for the NFL. Mario Williams is here, is staying, but like 
the number one receiver in this offense will not be the guess what 2023 when USC actually has potential to have a championship window opening up with Caleb Williams yep could you be could you be wide receiver one absolutely so let the competition reign and if guys leave they leave we've already seen that you can shuffle one way and the other in the transfer portal it goes both ways yeah for sure uh, Luant says, should we give the defense credit for giving Emmett Smith's boy the yips uh, while he was wearing his Super Bowl hat to be noticed? Yikes. Um, I, I don't know. I think that I thought it was interesting, though, that he really got sort of benched there in the second half. Right. Yeah. Like they they went over to um, to Philkins. Uh, I keep saying, thinking I'm saying that name wrong. It's, a, it's just, just it's not a Philkins is not a football name. No, it's so, not a football name. It's no. a, it's you know what it is. It's a fullback name. Oh, it's like, a Stanford name. Philkins is your fullback, Uh, but you you can't fumble twice. I will credit USC's defense. As I mentioned earlier, USC created those fumbles. USC was putting hats on the second one. I didn't think was a fumble, but it definitely was when they reviewed it. Yeah. So I, I give all, and uh, I came, (laughs) I came into the room in the second half and I was like, I had this like galaxy brain idea. Like let's galaxy brain this. You're Alex Grinch. You know this defense isn't going to be great this year. You have limitations. So you put all your focus on, guys, we may not stop teams on the ground or through the air, but by God, are we going to create turnovers. We will be the greatest turnover-making machine defense you have ever seen in your life. And the, 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 the guys on defense are like, yeah, yeah. Every practice, all we're doing is <laughs> tip drills and punching out the ball and putting hats on the ball and blah, blah, blah. Like, I know I'm galaxy braining it, but like that's sort of what it feels like. Like it's like, you know what? Fine, fine. We're just gonna we're just gonna be the team that forces every turnover possible. And and I'm I'm here for that, not gonna lie. Yeah. I, I mean, when you have an offense that scores on every drive of the first half, it works. You just gotta hope you don't have second halves like they did tonight where they only scored two field goals in the second yeah. half. But yeah. yeah. Um, if you can if you can make that payoff, absolutely do it. Yeah, for sure, hundred uh, percent. Next question comes from Thomas Michael. Do you think you're going to change your mind about picking USC to lose to Notre Dame? No, because I picked SC to beat Notre Dame. I, I have SC. I, I have SC at nine and three. That was my my prediction before the season. I said nine and three with the three losses being Stanford, Oregon State, and Utah. Well, SC just beat Stanford. So at this point, that my um, prediction already is wrong, um, but I have SC like winning the last five games of the season and, yeah. and ending on a on a hot streak. Because uh, to me, it's what I said in the season predictions episode is that it's less about the wins and losses for for me. It's about the eye test this season, and I think SC will be better as the season progresses. Um, and I think that the only way to reflect that in the win total is to predict wins at the end of the year. And so looking at Notre Dame, 0-2, mind you, I don't think a loss to Ohio State is any like, – there's no shame in that, right? Uh, a loss to Marshall at home, yeah, that's not good. I, I will say I think that Notre Dame probably ends up being better than they are now at the end of the season. They lost a bunch of dudes. They're breaking in a new quarterback. They're breaking in a new head coach who's never been a head coach before. So they're probably going to be better at the end of the season too, especially the way that they are now. Um, but at this point, yes, absolutely. SC looks like they would be the team to pick in that game. 
what we can see now from two and a half months from now. So that's where they I they am. they need they need another they need a better quarterback is really their problem. Well, so uh, that's were, were your alumni chats like really just blowing <laughs> up like were people really, mm, really yeah upset? Yeah, the only Notre Dame fan I've I've interacted with today is my brother and. He was just what like, is yikes. it like when you go back to the reunions and they're like, "Wow, you don't you don't root for us." You act like I would go to a, a reunion even if I was a a Notre Dame University. Well, you are a Notre Dame grad, Notre yeah. Dame High School. No, grad. No, yes. Same thing. Yes. Uh, um, but I, I did want. I had. I went all in on ten and two. My losses were to Utah and Oregon State, right? Yes, I believe so. Okay. So. Yeah, and Oregon State's going to be a tough one. And Fresno State next week is going to be you, a tough one. You can't tell me that Oregon State or Stanford the, or Fresno couldn't do what Stanford did today to USC, but better. Like, yeah, I think that's. I think these are going to be fascinating games that are chess matches in a lot of ways. Uh, that I think USC should go in confident they can win, but you can't always know how things are going to go. Yeah, for sure. Uh, current score update according to to Dave asks in the chat. Fresno State, 16-14 over the Beefs. Seven minutes left in the third quarter. Mm -hmm. There you go. Um, All right. uh, Next question uh, comes from uh, Michael Johnson. Last week, you commented on the gold gold on magenta fight on in the back of the helmet. What about the gold fight on emoji on the front of it? I don't like either one. Okay. So here's the thing. But they're not my hill to die on. It's, It's not for me. I understand it's not for me. I still so don't notice them. Like, I well, know they're there, them, then, but I don't notice too. them. So clearly I don't well, mind them. Okay, you know what it's going to be? It's going to be like the like the ads that the NHL teams put on their helmets a couple years ago. I, I do not know what these are, but okay. Neither do most people because you just don't see you them. Your eye just, them. like, tunes yeah, them Yeah, yeah, yeah. My eyes tune it, tune it out. So I don't care. When I tell myself to look for it, I'm like, yeah, that PPG Paints logo looks terrible on the Penguins helmet. Like, yeah, but you have to look for it. Yeah, but you don't look. You don't see it most of the time. Like, yeah. you just your brain doesn't clock it. Yeah, well, like my brain clocked the black socks that um, Caleb Williams. that Caleb Williams yeah. was wearing, and at first I didn't like them, but then they were really convenient for tracking the quarterback. Like. It was really nice to know where he was on the field Did at all times. Did you have trouble tracking the quarterback? No, because sometimes sometimes <laughs> you're just like you're like there were a lot of times where I thought the camera work wasn't great. Oh, it was bad. Where they got they 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 bit on the uh, on the handoff when Caleb kept yeah. it and like my eye was drawn to Caleb running with the ball only because the black socks were there and I and it set him out. Set him, I was like, "Why is Caleb running the way he is? Oh, he has the ball." So And the black I don't mind socks. Yeah. Also, the yellow socks that mario williams was wearing i came to like from the distance i don't like them on close-up because they the shade yes. doesn't look exactly right but on the distance it, it actually looks pretty decent okay so uh our pal shotgun spratling tweeted out a picture of it oh and i was like oh my god this is the worst thing i've ever seen cringe 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 and then as the game went on i'm like the Okay, they're kind of cool. They kind of work. The okay, only they, they kind of work. The only problem is the yes, when they, is not when they quite right. when they zoom in, they're not the same shade. Yeah, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Um, all right, uh, let's go to a question from Graham. Uh, Michael, are you a bigger Jackson Jaguars fan, <laughs> Jacksonville Jaguars fan, 
uh, than Jason Mendoza. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I wouldn't say that Bortles is, is my guy, like Jason Mendoza would say. More of a Mark Brunel, um, David Garrard, old school Jags fan for sure. Old school Jags. What are you talking about? I know it's been twenty, but it's been two decades. It's crazy. Fred Fred Taylor was twenty years ago, baby. Like it was a while back. It's insane. Yeah, best running back in Jags history, Fred Taylor. Yeah, hundred percent. Not I'm. It's it's not MJD. It's it's Fred Taylor. Yeah, for sure. Oh. Uh, <laughs> next question from uh, Cam Lifestyles. Uh, how does Michael Jackson the third filter into the offense? Heard he was catching wreck in practice after coming back from injury. That's another question. That's another one where how do you feed all these guys? And I think you just sort of have to let it play out the way it does. Um, we'll see different games with different combinations of guys getting yep. targeted because defenses will have to to put up different uh, different modes of, of covering guys. So uh, I'd like to see Michael Jackson get some time here, but uh, – <laughs> It's going to be hard to get on the field when you've got a, a top four of uh, of Jordan Addison, Mario Williams, Brendan Rice, and Taj Washington, and those guys half of the half of those guys aren't eating enough either. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, last question to touch on um, comes from Marie. Uh, question: Any ch- changes to your season predictions? I kind of talked about this earlier. No, I'm I'm, I'm don't think I'm going to change anything up because my other. T- I picked Stanford to beat SC, obviously. We've talked about that a million times over. Uh, that one didn't pan out, but Oregon State and Utah are the toughest road games on the schedule. And um, I think both of those teams, I think we would agree, have are better teams than Stanford and, and Utah. So, um, I mean, than Stanford. So given what Stanford did tonight and how different this game could have gone, I'll keep them for now. We'll, we'll we'll see when we get the game week. Yeah, I am fairly confident that USC will lose to one of Fresno State or Oregon State. Um, I'm going to stick with my so, Utah prediction. So the rest of my predictions, I, my ten and two is still intact. Yeah, I think this defense right now is playing with fire, and in one of those games, they're not going to have four turnovers. That's just so the, the fact. Remember when I talked about the. The I don't did I talk about this in, in the podcast? I know I tweeted this that um, you look at the national championship winning coaches, like the last four or five coaches to win the national championship. They've all lost games in week in year one that you never would have expected. Mm-hmm. Nick Saban lost to to Louisiana Monroe in year one um, at Alabama at home to a Sun Belt team. How embarrassing, right? Nick Saban. Uh, Dabo Sweeney last lost to a Maryland team that went two and ten. Uh, Ed Ogeron lost to uh, Troy at home, the Sun Belt team. How embarrassing, right? Kirby Smart lost to Vandy at home. How embarrassing! All those games were at home, so it's very like it's very possible. And, and you look at the SC, SC schedule. I don't think it's crazy to say that the scariest home game USC has on the schedule outside of Notre Dame is Fresno State. Is that scary? I mean, is that wrong? If, if you're if you're in the chat, tell me if I'm wrong. Is Fresno State the outside of Notre Dame just because it's Notre Dame? Is Fresno State the the toughest team that USC has to play at home? 
Well, Fresno State is now up 22 to 14 on. I mean, Oregon that's State. more evidence to that, right? I, I respect Jeff Tedford as a coach. I respect um, that team and what they did under Kalen DeBoer uh, largely are back. I respect Jake Hayner a ton. Um, I think that Fresno State certainly, like I've said, I think USC will lose to one of Fresno State and Oregon State. The one that I'll throw in there is like a wild card is suddenly Washington State because if they can beat Wisconsin, then I don't. I literally do not know what Washington State is. I I have no idea uh, where their sort of level is. Yeah. They could be really bad and just Wisconsin's bad, or they could be better than expected and and winning games that that they mm-hmm. are deserving of. Like it's just very hard to say. So if you had to tell me like a team in the preseason that I would never have picked to beat USC, like <laughs> Washington state is now one to keep an eye on. Like just, yeah. th- but those, those games happen. And and that's what I think you and I have been preaching for a long time on paper. You can be favored. I mean, uh, Rama Murdy just put in, in the chat. Like if we, I think we can beat both Fresno state and OSU if we play at our potential. A thousand percent. You're not always going to play at your potential though. Like you're, that, that you're not, happens. but SC, if SC plays their potential, they win every single game on the schedule, including Utah and including Notre Dame. Absolutely, yes, yes. yes. yeah, I, I would agree with that one hundred percent. You're just not going to play to your potential every week. I mean, did USC play to their potential this week? I don't think they did. No, I think on that's, offense they did in the first half. I think that's all across four quarters because the game is four quarters. Then so the answer is no. Yeah. No. So do I think that's a bad thing? Week two? No, no, I don't. I love that USC has room to grow. Uh, but, uh, but you know, that's, it's just football is not, again, it's not a video game. So, okay. A couple last things here before we wrap this up. So j- just to confirm Fresno state scarier than ASU. Yes. yes. Right. Yes. Yes. Uh, scarier than Wazoo. Yes. Scarier Until than Cal. Yes. Scarier than Colorado. Absolutely. So yes. Then, and, and then. You can decide later about scarier than Notre Dame or not, right? So outside of Notre Dame, Fresno State's the scariest home team uh, game on the home slate. We can agree? Yeah. All right. Uh, JY says, I'd be concerned about UCLA. Yeah, but that's a road game. Maybe that's sort of a home game at the, yeah. the Rose Bowl. So. We are, like a lot of Notre Dame and UCLA, uh, I just... I hate looking at the end of a season and saying anything definitive about games when we don't know anything about any of these teams right now. Like, no, certainly not. Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, we know what we know what Colorado is. That is a, that's a but we don't know forty one ten. First of all, they had to drive down an hour and a half to Colorado Springs to get their ass kicked. Whew. That that's not an indictment. I don't, I don't know what is. Uh, last thought here before we wrap this up. The Fresno State game, you know who the official sponsor, title sponsor of that game is next week? No. Dave's Hot Chicken. Okay. Do we chicken, know what we're getting for dinner? Not, not a sponsor of the of the podcast. We are just patrons. But Dave, regular Mr. Patrons. Mr. Dave Chicken Man. Please sponsor the podcast. I mean, you can call us. We, we have an email address. We will sit here during episodes with our plate of Dave's Hot Chicken. <laughs> And like eat it during the show. Well, we'll have it pl- like I think we'll, we, we product could, placement yeah. right here. I'll have a little podium right here. We can put it right there, just so that it's sitting there the entire time. And I'll be sitting here dipping my 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 <laughs> chicken in the Dave's hot in the Dave's sauce, and just 
eating it and you all, all can listen to me mm-hmm. chew yeah. and everything like that but like it was great we would be great marketing people for it <laughs> yeah you just email us right mr Let's dave do mr dave Chicken mr Man. dave yeah not Dave and OC or Dave the Greater, but the other Dave. Hey, maybe that Dave does own Dave's Hot Chicken, just hasn't told us. Hey, that. now that wouldn't that be a plot twist? I mean, that would be hurtful. <laughs> be hurtful that he hadn't told us that you know he has this this chicken pass. Maybe, maybe is is Dave's Hot Chicken uh, an offspring of like Los Boyos Hermanos? Mm. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Uh, let's wrap things up there. Uh, thank you guys for joining in. It's been it's been a blast. We're going on an hour and a half now. It's been super long. Uh, thank you, all of you guys for joining us. I, I love I this love was, this was fun. I love doing these long car casts because like I don't have to get back to work because work is is over and we don't so. have to drive home. We don't we're drive already home. here. We're good. Yeah, we're already here. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, <laughs> this is me. We're getting a, a mukbang rot podcast in the future. Says certified bum. Um, no, but we could, we could. Do do I want to remember what a mukbang is? Mukbangs are good. Yes. I don't, I don't remember what you they know are. You know what a mukbang is? No. Oh man. Jake's going to clip this and make it a thing. Oh, damn it. Jake, let's be real. Jake hasn't listened to. Doesn't do again, I mean, they played an FCS team. He That's might, true. He, he might, might have an hour and a half yeah. to burn. Oregon State just scored. Uh, for those in the chat, they are back within a score. All right. Well, I have to go put that on. So, yeah. Uh, thank you guys for 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 joining us here as always. Uh, and you can email us at com. Our phone number. We're still we still need to get that fixed. I'm sorry. We 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 suck. We're terrible. We'll get it worked out. Um, but in the meantime, email us randomtroyfanside.com. You can follow uh, Alicia on Twitter at Penguin of Troy. I'm at MichaelCastFS. You can follow Reign of Troy on Twitter at Reign of Troy. Uh, so um, until then, we will be back on Monday night, 5 p.m. Uh, wait, hold on. Monday night, we're pushing it back. We're pushing back the start time. The seven? Yes, we are pushing back the start time to seven o'clock. Yes. Okay. This PM. Monday night only, we're pushing back to seven p.m. Yes. Only this Monday night. Only on, this Monday. On, on YouTube yes. to, to seven p.m. Um, so join us then. Uh, otherwise, we'll be in your podcatcher wherever you catch us. And uh, until then, Max Verstappen big tomorrow. That's my pick. Click. Oh, Dan on Slack asked, "What do we, do we like Ferrari's chances at Monza?" No, it's Ferrari. At Monza. No, they'll be lucky if either of those cars finish the race. And with that. (laughs) Red Bull bit. All right. See ya. See ya. See ya. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.